0: Today's daf is Daf Zayin in Mesechta Ma'ir Katan, and we pick up from the very top line on Daf Zayin on Aleph, page seven A. We're at the two dots. A quote from a previously quoted statement, which was Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Anybody who does not have the place, please let me know." Again, very top line on seven A. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Misteh Ilon kedarko lovan shalok kedarko." What is the halacha? So. Rebut is of the opinion that on Chol if you have uh, mice or these eyeless creatures, these creatures that don't have eyes, that run around the orchards or the fields, so in a tree field, you're permitted to trap them on on Chol in the usual manner. Um, However, if they're in a grain field, it must be done in an unusual manner. All right? That's the difference between a grain field and an orchard. Now, Many of us are not farmers, nor are we aware of what is the usual derech of trapping. Many of us, uh, when we enter into the shilah of trapping, it usually has to do on Shabbos or yomtif in a sukkah, when the bees or mosquitoes are bothering us and we're like, hey, what do we do with the bee? What do we do with this mosquito? If you have a smart-aleck kid and you tell them to go to their room on Shabbos, they might say, but it's trapping. Yeah? Is there, <laughs> is there trapping on a human being, yeah? All right, so that, that's for a smart-aleck kid. But uh, smart-aleck kids come with a lot of stuff. I have a nephew. I have a nephew who, um, my sister, he was nine years old. My sister, he lives, they live in room, My sister asked him to come inside. He says, yeah, I'm coming. Ten minutes later, he's not inside. So my sister goes back out, and she says to him, no, you told me you're coming in. He says, mom, I got eight more minutes. He says, eight more minutes? I told you to get inside. Get inside. It's been 10 minutes already. He says, no. Chazal, teach us. This is a smart Alec Israeli kid. He says, Chazal, teach us that you should, you should not let your mitzvahs become chametz, which means every time you ask me to do something, I have 18 minutes. That's his, uh, <laughs> that, that's his response there. All right, let's get back in over here. Here we go. Says the Gemara. What is considered trapping in the usual way, and what is considered trapping in an unusual way? Taner the rabbis learned, and so should we. Ketzar Kedarka. what's the usual manner of trapping? Answers, the Gemara, The usual way to trap is, you put a trap, um, you, uh, you, you lay out a trap, you dig a hole in the ground, and the animal... Um, and the animal goes and uh, falls in Kate what 's considered an unusual way to trap now spud. you lay, literally it means a spit, but it means you lay something out um, a metal rod umaka and then you basically take a hammer like a peg and you boom boom, you break it down like cavijo, so to speak, these tunnels that people dig underground. you know Unfortunately, the terrorists have been using them to you know to get into Cicero. But that's another way to, to trap uh, these animals that have dug their own um, holes own holes underground. is you basically break down the hole, and, you, and you, you flatten out the earth that's underneath it. So That's the unusual way. All right, bottom line, here's, here's what we just learned. You're permitted to trap in an unusual way in a wheat field, and in a usual way in an orchard. The usual trapping is you dig a hole in the ground, the animal falls in, Unusual ways when the animal's already in the ground and you don't allow them to come out. Okay, that's usual and, and uh, unusual. To connect this a little bit to life, even outside of trapping, it's not an exact correlation, which I usually like to do, but you find sometimes people who desire honor, they desire covet. So there's two ways to achieve honor. The healthy way to achieve honor is Lift yourself up. Be a good Erlich a Jew. Do what's right. Be good. And when you, when you honor others, people will honor you. You'll be deserving of it. Unfortunately, there's another way that people think they're going to get honor. And that is if they take a hammer and they, have to, and they knock everybody down in the ground. You speak schmutz about this guy. You speak loshen Hara about that guy. Slander. Oh, now I'm, I'm important because everybody else has problems. That's that's not the uh, that's not the way for a person to elevate themselves. All right, let's keep going. Tani, we learned through the Brizer, Rishon Ben Elazarim, Rishon Ben Elazar says, Kisha Amru Kedarko. When we say you're permitted to trap these mice and eyeless creatures, it really it's any type of animal that's going to ruin the field. And you do it in an unusual manner. La amru, we only said this. That's when your grain field is near the city. But let's say you're out in the, you're, you're, you know, you're out in the boondocks, you're way outside of town, and your field is not neighboring any sort of homes. It, rather, it's neighboring tree fields, orchards, then, then you're even allowed to trap them in the usual way. Why? Because what's going to happen is if you don't trap them properly now, they're just going to go and destroy the orchard fields. They're going to keep going. So, so what the Brysa is pointing out is a very important idea, which is this statement that on you know, you need to be careful how you trap because certain fields are at greater risk. Than others, the price is letting us know prevent defense. Even if the rodent, the mouse, the this infestation of mice is not currently in the field, that's going to cause severe damage. But even if they're next to it, it's gonna be permitted to trap um in the usual way because we the usual way means we know the job's gonna get done. That's why it's usual. The unusual way, it's like, ah, eh, maybe yeah. Maybe no. All right. So if there's any sort of threat of damage to my property on cholamayid, I could lay out the standard trap. Period. Two dots. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah says, "Umekarin b'moed." You're allowed to fix up prizas. What is prizas? A breach, a hole in a fence on cholamayid and on Shemitah. Now says the Gemara. Hold on. Ketsad mekarin. What do you mean? You're allowed to close up a fence? So. Rabbi Yosef Amar Behutzah VeDafna. Rabbi Yosef says, you close it up by basically weaving together various branches to create like a chain link type of fence. You know, uh, you, know you, you weave it with each other. It's not really such a strong fence. In the Mishnah, we learned a different possibility of what type of fence you put up. You're allowed to stack up stones. excuse me, however, you do not combine them with plaster, period. What does this mean? What are these two answers? These two answers are letting us know a very important idea, a very important explanation of the Mishnah. The Mishnah had said, you're allowed to fix a breach. What these two answers are showing me is, yes, you can, but not in a perfect way. You can't put in real professional work on Cholomayit. If you have a breach in your fence, fix it but only do it in a way that's minimal. It's going to just, you know, give you a, a little bit of protection. It's going to do enough of a job, but it's not really going to give me a full-fledged professional job that is not permitted to be done on Cholomayit. So what is it? What should I do? Okay, Sir so Yosef has his opinion. You know, you weave the branches together. And the Mishnah had its, uh, the, the Mishnah elsewhere had its own opinion, which was you basically stack up the bricks, you stack up the stones, but you don't put plaster in between it. You don't make a full-fledged wall. Okay. Amar Ravchista. Ravchista says, "Lo shanu kosel hagina." This wall that we say do it, you know, well, let, let's call it do it inexpensive, right? Do it, you know, in a uh, amateur way, not in a professional way. That's dealing with your garden. You're trying to protect your tomatoes. You're trying to protect your cucumbers. That's what you're trying. That, that's why you're putting up a wall. Okay, but let's say you have a hole in a wall to your courtyard. Now, why do you have a courtyard for protection? Then, if there's a security risk, no problem. There's no issue whatsoever. If chas somebody's door falls off the front of their house, or somebody's wall falls down in their house, or or any any type of area that they need protected for security, you can do that in an absolutely professional way on Cholamoid. Very logical, very sensible. And we'll prove it to you, says the Gemara. go When you have a wall that's leaning into Urshus Rabbim. So it can possibly hurt somebody. So sir, you should knock down the wall, Ubona and you build it back up in the usual way. Now we're dealing with Kholamoid. Okay? So it's Holamoid. You have a wall leaning out into the public domain. There's danger. There's people who could who, who walk by and chas v'sholem, God forbid, they're going to get hurt. So what do you do? Knock down the wall and you build it in a professional way. You do it right. Why? Because there's danger. You don't put the wall back up in a haphazard way because the wall could fall down on somebody, God forbid. Okay? So you see very clearly when there is physical danger involved, Do it right, even on Chalamayt. However, if you're just doing it to protect, you know, there's like limited, you know, there's a limited loss. What are you going to do? What do you have in your garden? You know, a few vegetables? Eh. So that's when we say that you should not do it in a professional way, says the Gemara. By the way, you should just know that this whole statement about the wall leaning into a public domain is not a great proof. Because over there, you're allowed to build a wall. Why? Because there's danger. Okay. However, when when you already have a hole in the fence, where nobody's going to get hurt from the actual wall that fell, maybe it's different. Now keep in mind, let's pause for a moment and see what just happened in the Gemara. This is classic Gemara. And this also lets us know why Gemara is so important. Because what we just saw is a great logical argument, a a beautiful point. But you know what the Gemara said? If you cannot prove to me a direct connection that what you're saying is MS, that what you're saying is absolutely true, we don't need to accept it. And that's really what Gemara is. As we go through Gemara, it's very, you know, every Gemara, there's very, you know, it's, so many Gemaras are different, but you go through an, a whole omad, this, that, no, yeah, boom, boom, and then, then the Gemara are like, oh, you're all wrong, right? The whole thing's wrong. Why? Because the way that a Jew lives is according to truth. And you know when something's true, when you know that everything else is false. When, every, when nothing else works out, it doesn't add up. That's how I know my bottom line is true. That's why we do what we do. To quote the Hilige Chavetz Chaim, the great Chavetz Chaim, he says such a simple and powerful line. And that's why the most powerful lines are simple because you know, it keeps it honest. Says the Chavetz Chaim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want, uh, does not want us to be frum. He wants us to be smart. Hashem says, listen, I gave you a world, I gave you a Torah, I gave you time, I gave you life. Be smart. That's it. Be smart. Take the information that I send your way and be smart. And that's, mamish. this is so beautiful, what the Gemara is doing for us. It's giving us a whole back of and that comes out. You know what? If you can't prove to me that it's absolutely right, we're going to leave it for now. We're going to leave it for now. We don't, we're not, we can't argue and say you're wrong, but you don't have a direct proof. Okay. There are those who have the conversation a little bit differently. Toshma, come and listen. Kosel hagocha lersos You have a wall that's leaning into a rersos Ram to a public domain, and therefore it's, it could cause potential danger. Sosa rabona kedarka bnea sakana. You're supposed to knock down the wall and rebuild it because of sakana, because of danger, which you see from here. Bnea sakana in. When there's danger involved, then you're allowed to knock down the wall and rebuild it properly. Shalom sakana lo. If the wall itself is not going to, there's no danger of it falling on somebody. Then you're not allowed to build it in the usual way. Let's say this is in what we call an upshlug, a refute, or in more recent uh, vocabulary, Revchista is busted. Yeah. Let's say this proves Revchista wrong because Revchista says you're allowed to build your house anytime there's a security risk, but over here we see that's not true. You're only allowed to build a fence when the actual fence is it poses a danger to people. But if there's just potential security risk, you cannot rebuild a wall. Answers the Gemara, Amar lechar v'chista. v'chista, will say to you, hasam U Baina." He says, no, I'll tell you the difference between a security risk and a danger risk. When it comes to a danger risk, that's when we say, knock down the wall and rebuild it properly. Properly, ha, <laughs> but by a security risk, there's no danger of the wall falling. The wall already fell. There's just a breach. There's a breach in the wall of my courtyard. So then we say, Bona, you can build it normally, you're just not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to demolish it, which you don't need to do anyway, because it's already down. Haasam Nami, Velo Veloliv. And he says the so too, in the case of the Brisa, let him, why don't we just say, knock down the wall and don't rebuild it. It's a good question, right? What's the case? Ask the Gomorrah a beautiful question. The case is you have a wall leaning into a public domain. It can hurt somebody. What did we say? Knock it down and rebuild it properly. Ask the Gomorrah one second. Why don't we just tell the guy, knock it down so nobody gets hurt and rebuild it when Yom over? Why do you got to rebuild it now? It's a good question, right? Again, the wall's leaning out into the public. What's the halacha? You can knock it down and rebuild it in a halamaid because there's danger. The only danger was the wall that was falling. So knock down the wall and build it properly after Yom Tif. Answers the Gemara, no. You have to know human psychology. In Cain, if the halacha would be that you're allowed to knock it down and not rebuild it, guess what? Mimna V'lai the owner of the field, is not going to knock it down because that's he's actively going to leave his field or whatever that wall was there for, unprotected. And therefore, to make sure that nobody is in physical danger, we tell people, knock it down and don't worry. There's nothing there that's going to stop you from rebuilding it. You can even rebuild it. And by the way, this logic has very, very practical applications, particularly when it comes to the laws of Shabbos. Anybody who has the merit of having a Hatzalah, In their community, right? You have a whole group of of Jewish people and they're out there helping, or you have any doctor, any doctor around the country, and you have a patient that needs them on Shabbos. They have a shift. What's the halakha if they go to the hospital on Shabbos? Do they need to stay there the whole Shabbos? No. They're permitted to come home. If you're a doctor, if you're talking, why are you permitted to come home? There's no, nobody's in danger anymore once you're done your job. But the sages instituted that a doctor or hatsala, somebody who's out to save someone else, is permitted to go save the person and even return home. Why? Because they understand psychology. And that is that if we tell people, when you go save the life, you're going to be stuck, You may, you're going to have people. Or you even possibly might have people that will be hesitant to go in the first place. Should I leave my family for the rest of Shabbos? Should I leave my bed? Should I leave if I go, I'm going to be stuck. We don't have time for that. There's somebody here that needs to be saved. And therefore, go get the job done. Don't worry, you can come back home. And obviously it needs proper tradition and proper rabbinic guidance to know when this, when this applies. But that's the logic that the Gemara here is using. Again, the question was, just knock down the wall and don't rebuild it. The answer is, it doesn't work like that. If we tell people they can't rebuild it, they're not going to knock it down and people will remain in danger and we can't allow that to happen. Period. Okay. Last piece of Gemara before the Mishnah. Amar Ravashi. Ravashi says, nami deka." You could infer the halachas that we just quoted from our Mishnah as well. It says in the Mishnah. Uvashviyas. During Shemitah, Bona Kedarko, you're allowed to build a wall in the usual way. Now, let's pause for a moment. Most of us, or all of us, have heard of Shemitah. We're in a Shemitah year. Okay? Have you ever heard that you're not allowed to build a house in during Shemitah? You can't build a wall around your courtyard? You ever heard such a thing? No. Doesn't say it anywhere in the Torah. You can't build a wall during Shemitah. What's Shemitah? It has to do with the produce. has to do with the field. The fields are ownerless. You're not allowed to do business with it. You leave it for the public. What does it have to do with building? The Mishnah says, again, you're allowed to build a wall in a usual way during Shemitah. It says the Guevara, one second. What type of statement is that? The when and where? Like, what's your case? If we're allowing you to build a courtyard wall, La Lameimar, you need to tell me the Halacha, I'm allowed to build a wall around a courtyard during Shemitah? Of course you could. Whoever heard that you can't. So if we're talking about a wall during a Shemitah year, it must be that we're dealing with a wall that's connected some way to produce, to growth of a field. Elolav, rather it must be Degina. It's a wall around a garden. And even though when you put up a wall around the garden, what's the issue? it looks like I'm taking ownership of my garden and I'm not allowing anybody in to go take the produce that's ownerless. That's the issue. If I, The issue is going to be if I allow people to start putting up walls around gardens again, what's it going to look like? Keeping it for themselves, which you're not allowed to do. Shema minas, you see from here that the Mishnah very clearly is dealing with walls around gardens that only pose, what's the breach in the wall? A situation that only poses a potential loss of produce, tomatoes, cucumbers, etc. But it's not dealing with a wall that is a danger, or a wall that is a security risk. Those things are not included in the halacha of our Mishnah. Beautiful. Okay. Period ended. That Gemara and the explanation. Next mission. Let's give a one-minute introduction. This next Mishnah and Gemara leading us to um, Zayin Amid Beyz is going to have a big focus on Simchas Yomtiv, the obligation to be to have joy and happiness over uh, you know over, uh, over a Yomtiv. Now. It's going to lead us into that conversation by dealing with the laws of a mitzora. What is a mitzora? So there's no real English translation for mitzora. People do translate it as leprosy. Um, the issue why that's... It's the best definition you could give but if you're trying to translate it. But the reason why it's not leprosy is because leprosy is a physical ailment and a Mitzorah is a spiritual ailment. A person gets tzara's on their home or on their body for speaking gossip and slander, speaking negatively, and the way to get rid of it is by doing teshuva, right? Is by repenting, and then and then uh, you get rid of it. So leprosy is more of a physical ailment, um, and saras is more of a spiritual ailment. But that's you know that's the best uh, definition possible. Now, let's introduce with a couple halachas. A metzora, in order to become a metzora a Kohen must say to you, Tameh, you are impure. It's fascinating. You can have tarras on your skin. If the Kohen did not yet say, you are Tameh, guess what? You are not Tameh. The Torah says you're obligated to go to a, mitzv- to a Kohen to declare it. But if he doesn't declare it, you're not Tameh at all a little bit of background as to what's the message here, why? You know why? Because how does a person become a Mitzorah? to the words of their mouth. And the message to him, to this person is, we're going to show you the power of one word. All it takes is one coin to say one word and you are sent out of all three camps for seven days minimum. One word. That's the midah connected the the measure for measure that the Torah is teaching this uh, individual. But this important halacha: if t- if tuma is not declared, you're not tummy. The guy's not tummy. Okay. So, with um, with uh, you know, let me introduce a couple more things that allow the Gemara to move along uh, a little quicker as well. There's two types of Mitzorah. There's a mitzora musker, which means from the word sagor in Hebrew. He's he's. Quarantined. A metzora would be quarantined if we don't yet have definitive information to declare him Tameh. The Kohen looks at it and he's like, You know, I'm going to put you in quarantine for seven days and see where it goes. The halacha of a metzora Musker is that he remains inside the camps, he's allowed to stay there. He has to separate from his wife, as we're going to see in the Gemara. He's not allowed to have relations with his wife. Um, But he's allowed to remain in the camp for those seven days until the Kohen comes back and checks him out. A Mitzorah Muchlut is a Mitzorah who's a definite Mitzorah. There the Halacha is. He leaves, he's Tomei. The Kohen declared him Tomei. He has to leave all the camps of Israel, in the desert, let's say. He had to go outside all three camps. But his family comes with him. It's interesting, halacha. He's allowed, to, he's allowed to be with his wife, regular family contact, no outside family contact. But while you're in quarantine, you're allowed, you're still, you know, you, you can't even have family contact. You're allowed to stay in the camps, but you're not allowed to have relations with your wife. Interesting, halacha. And that's really what Ahmad Bayz, the second side of our daf, is going to be based around. Let's get going, says the Mishnah. Rabbi Meir Omar, Rabbi Meir says, on Listen to this. says, Rabbi Meir, somebody has a sign of teras on his skin on chol HaMoyed. Now, we don't want to ruin people's simcha on Yamtif. So says Rabbi Meir. Go to the kohen on chol HaMoyed. Now, don't let this blow your mind. The Gemara, because this should blow your mind. Rav Meir says, go to the kai. Hey, you know what's going to happen? The Kohen's going to say, he's going to look at it, and he's going to say, if it's pure, host, tell the guy, go home. You're cool. Pure. If it's saras, you know what the Kohen's going to say? Come back in a week. I'm not giving you an answer right now. Because again, you're only Tomei if the Kohen declares you Tomei. So says Rebbe Mayer. We don't want to ruin people's joy on holidays. So we're therefore the Kohen should never declare somebody tummy. You hit us. You ever heard of such a thing? You go to a rabbi and he's like, uh, ah, eh, come back in a week, right? Uh, I'll tell you in a week. I don't want to answer. You. I'll push, push it off down the road. Rebbe Mayer. In order to say this, you obviously need uh, biblical backing, you know, to prove it from the verses. But it's a fascinating opinion. Says Rebbe Mayer again. We look at it, and if it's, if we could be lenient, great. If it's not a lenient decision, then we say, come back later. say, loy v'loy lahachmir. A Kohen never looks at Saras on Cholamoy. So if somebody has Saras grow on their skin, and they come to the Kohen, the Kohen says, I'm not even looking, come back after Yom Tif. Both opinions in the Mishnah are in agreement, you're not going to make somebody a Mitsora on a holiday because of Simchas Yomtev. Okay, says the Gemara Tanukum to the Brizer of Meir Meir says, The Kohen could look at it, but he can only give a lenient decision of Alola Hachmer. He's not allowed to give a stringent decision. Rebbe Yaisi okay, Rebbe says, and this is going to be the opinion of the sages in the Mishnah, Lola Hachmer. The Cohen does not look at it at all. He says, listen, you can't play that game. If you allow yourself to look at it and allow yourself to possibly give a lenient opinion, guess what? Nizkaklo af You're going to be obligated to give a strict opinion as well. You can't just let it fester. Because by definition, there's such a beautiful message in life at times, right? By definition, by saying one thing, you're telling me the other thing. By the Cohen saying, come back in a week. If he's allowed to say, you're fine, then if he tells me, come back in a week, you know what he's saying? Not good. That's the opinion of everybody, And that's very logical. It's very logical. Unfortunately, when it comes to relationships, we expect this a little too much of our spouses, our families, our colleagues, right? We expect, we expect people to understand things without being told directly, not really so fair, but Rabbi Aysi says, "Listen, direct hints, you got to take it. And therefore, if you're going to declare Ta'har, you got to declare tameh." Okay, Omar, ta- uh, uh, Omar Rabbi Rabbi says, near and Diver of Mayor Bmusker." I agree with Rabbi Meir by a Mitzorah that is musker, that is in quarantine, waiting for further analysis. How uh, I agree with him that you could give a lenient opinion. And not give a Chomer opinion. However, I agree with the words of Rabbi Yaisi when it comes to a definite, a confirmed Mitzayra, then, then we're in agreement that no matter what, you've got to give a direct Amar Omar Ravarava says, let me explain what's going on in this dispute. Bittahar, and this this beautiful. Bittahar, let's say you have somebody who never had Saras. He never had a question of Tzaraz. He's been tahar. Okay, we'll call it one of us. One of us comes to a, one of us on cholamoid gets something on our skin. Okay? So then says Rava, Kuli Yalma everybody would agree. Delo don't go to the Cohen on cholamoid. Call him up, make a Kohen appointment for the day after Yom Tif. You don't need to be busy with this. To put it a little bit, in, you could push it off down the road. You could wait for the doctor's appointment. You could wait a few more days. Okay. However, beheskerishon. let's say, somebody has already had one week of quarantine. Dekuli amulay de Khazile. Everybody will agree, you should look at him on Yom Tif and we'll explain why later. Ki pligi, where is there a dispute? Where is there a machlokas? We now turn to the top of Zion Amit Bez. Behesker Shani. By the second quarantine. Now let me let me throw in a halacha which was not mentioned. You will never have more than two times that a kohen could put someone in quarantine. The maximum quarantines sound familiar? Maybe yeah, maybe no. Right? Is twice. Twice. After that, you gotta just say tohar or not. That's it. You can't just. you, You can't be perpetual. You can't keep going. Mar savar So Rav Meir holds that the entire, the, the entire um, impact of somebody being declared a Mitsorah is the word of the kohen. Therefore, Tahar, if the guy is tahar, amar Ta'har. the kohen should tell him on chalamoid you're tahar you are pure. and if you're tame, you know what the kohen should say to you nothing. Shusik he should be quiet. Because again, it's all dependent on the Kohen saying this one word to the guy, the power of the one word. Says Rav Meir, so just tell the Kohen not to say it. Umar Savar, but Rabbi Yossi says that's not the way it works, Rav Meir, I'm sorry. Rabbi Yossi says there's a verse in the Torah which says, you go to the Kohen, litaharo o litamo ksiv, to make him pure or impure, which means the Kohen is obligated to say something. You can't be quiet. Either he's going to tell you pure, or he's going to tell you impure. And therefore, is of the opinion, don't go on Cholomite. Because since we need to have joy of Yomtif, if you show up, you're now putting the Kohen into a situation where he must say something. And if he tells you Tohar, great, you're back, (laughs) you're back, and everything's going to be great on Yomtif, but he might have to say Tammeh. So, in order not to force the kohen into the corner, wait till after yomtiv. That is the opinion of Rabbi Yosi. Okay, Amar Mar. The Tana taught us. Amar Rabbi Rabbi says Niren Divi Rabbi Yosi be I agree with the opinion of Rabbi Yosi that you should wait till after yomtiv by a confirmed mitzora. The Rabbi Meir be But I agree with Rabbi Meir to go on cholamayim, and the kohen doesn't have to say anything if he's tameh when it comes to uh, mitzora muskar. A coin that's been put in quarantine. It says the Gemara Vaatanya Ipcha. There's a Bryson which says the opposite. That Rebbe, that Rebbe holds like Rebbe Meir when you're confirmed, and Rebbe when there's a quarantine. It says the Gemara Tanya He aliba de Rebbe. It's actually a machoikas about the opinion of Rebbe. da alma adifle. Be careful how you say this. I'll explain it to you in a moment. One opinion is that a man prefers his friends over yamtiv. Umar Sabar the Ishlay and the other one holds that a man prefers being with his wife over Yomtiv. You had this a holiday. What do you have Yomtiv? You have Sukkis. You have Pesach. If I could get a little uh, uh, and uh, open up a little bit of a can of worms, right? There's a whole thing nowadays to go to Uman on Rosh Hashanah. Men pile to Uman on Rosh Hashanah. I never understood it. And whenever I tell people I don't understand it, they tell me it's because I was never there. But if I would go, I'd understand it. Okay, Peseder, I don't have a problem with it. But you mamas see in this Gemara that there's such a concept. What's the concept? People leave their families to be out with their community because that's how they're going to grow spiritually. It's fascinating. Other people can't fathom such a thing. And they say, what do you mean? How can you grow spiritually when you're pushing your family to the side? This is actually this dispute in our Gemara. How beautiful. Because listen up. Here's what just happened. If you're a Metzora musker, you're in quarantine, what happens to you? You're separated from your wife, but you still have your community. You don't, you're not sent out of the camps. So one opinion is a man prefers over a Yomtev to have access to, his, to a community even if he needs to separate from his wife. It's a preference. And the other opinion is, no. That Rebbe actually holds that a person should prefer to be together with his family, even if it means being outside the camps. And therefore, go on Cholam to get a psak. Because what's going to... Get a ruling. You know why? What's going to happen? If the Kohen says Tomei, you know what's going to happen? You'll be back together with your wife. Because now you're confirmed. You'll be outside the camps. You'll lose the access to the community for the remainder of Yom Tif, But you'll have your spouse. You'll have your family with you. And therefore, there's no loss of simcha. That is the dispute of, uh, of what is Rebbe's opinion. Fascinating, fascinating conversation. Okay, now... This whole uh, um, so the Gemara is now going to question a few of the premises that we made. We came across with a few premises as to what the laws of a quarantined mitzora, a mitzora musker, and what are the laws of a confirmed mitzora, a mitzora Mukhlat. Ask the Gemara, Lameimra, do you mean to tell me the mukhlut muter uh, betash mishamita, a confirmed mitzora? Even though he's sent out of the camps, is allowed to be together with his wife. Is that really true? That you could be sent out of the camps, away from everybody, but still have your family with you? Says the Gemara. In yeah, relax. Yeah, what's the problem? And I'll prove it to you. The Hatanya, and I'll prove it to you from a Brisa. The Brisa says the Shivas Yomim. What's the halacha of a Mitsorah? He must live outside his tent for seven days. Which means initially, he's not allowed to have relations with his wife. A tent refers to one's wife. How do you know that? From the giving of the Torah. It says, after Matan Torah, at the time the Torah was given, we were instructed, couples were instructed to separate for a few days prior to make sure there's no impurity. But then after the Torah was given, after the commandments and the Torah were given, it says... Lech Amarlechem, go tell the Jewish people, Shuvu Lao Alechem. They should now go back to their tents. Okay, now, what does the tents mean? They're allowed to go back to their wives. They're allowed to be in their tents the whole time. So, what does it mean, go back to your tents? The wife. Rebbe Imer so Rabbi Huda says, Shivas Yamim, Yespirulai, they count seven days for him. What does that mean? Yame it's only forbidden. So, says the Gemara. Rabbi do again, again they count 7 days from him, which means you may you may it's only forbidden to have relations during the days of your counting but it's not forbidden to have relations when you're already confirmed as a mitzora rabbi says shivas puro once we say that it's forbidden to have relations during the day that you count you're not yet confirmed but we're going to you're going to be obligated to separate from your family guess what kal how much more so you may chiluto, when you're confirmed. Says Reb Yaisi and Yehuda, if you can't be together during the days where you're counting, how much more so should you not be allowed to be together when when you are already confirmed? Right? That's a, that's a basic Alba Choymer. V'yamar Chia, and Rabhia says, danti lefne Rebbi, I was done, I gave judgment, I clarified in front of Rebbe, and I said, limadtonu Rabbeinu, you Rebbe, my master, you taught us Yosum, Yosam who was um, who was a king, Lo Hayulolu Uziyahu, he was born to his father Uziyahu, Ella Mehiluto when Uziyahu was a Mitsorah. Okay? So Yosum was born to a father who was a Mitsorah, which means that the king had Saras and he was allowed to be with his wife. Amar Lais, he says back to him. Av ani kach amarti. Ataka said that, and therefore, when you have a a, a person who is a clear Mitzorah, he's actually going to be usher from his wife. Okay, says the Gemara. But my Let's get into the kishkas. Let's get into the, the intestines over here. The nitty gritty of the of the machoikas between Rabbi Yehuda uh, and Rabbi Yosi. Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda says, Gali revealed to us. He told us that while the the mitzora is during his days of counting, he's not allowed to be with his wife when he's in when he's in quarantine. The koshkein and I'll make a kalvachomer and I'll say how much more so when you're already confirmed, you can't be with your wife. A good old kalvachomer. Umar savar, but Rabbi Yehuda is going to say no. I'll tell you, there's no kalvachomer. You know why?" My de Gully gully o my de Gully if the torah says it then it's uh, th- then it's the halacha then if the torah says you can't have relations while you're in quarantine, then it's limited to that place you cannot extend it through a kalbaheimer uh, elsewhere now the obvious question is what do you mean that 's how a Kalvachomer works a kavaheimer in general works where you have a verse, and then you have uh how much more so right Logic will dictate to to add in so. Taisvis gives a few different answers as to why there may be a, uh, an issue with the Kabbalah and therefore Rabbi Yehuda uh, does not agree that the Pasa can be extended. But be it as it may, here's the Machlokas. Rabbi Yossi says, a man is not allowed to be with his wife even when he's confirmed because of logic. If he couldn't be with his wife during quarantine, how much more so now that you're, you tested positive, right? That's Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yehud is of the opinion, no, that it's only forbidden when the Torah says it's forbidden. Uh, to, to continue it elsewhere is not, uh, you know, to say that it's, it extends even to a place where you're confirmed, the Torah never says it, and therefore you're just making up a 614th commandment, you're not allowed to do that, that's not the halakha, and therefore it would be permitted uh, to be together with, with uh, his wife. I'll just share a, an incident that's connected to this uh, a little bit. When I, when, I, uh, uh, when I was in my second year with the shul, about, uh, what was that? Must be eight, nine years ago. So um, my Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Nasan Stein, he was talking to me about uh, the rabbinate, and he said to me, he said, Menachem, I'll tell you the difference between a Rosh Yeshiva and a rabbi. There was either a Rosh Yeshiva and a rabbi. Okay? I said, okay, tell me. See, he said he was just at a wedding, and he was asked to be one of the witnesses on the marriage. An aid, Kedushin, an aid on the marriage. So after the chuppah, <clears throat> he and the other witness went behind the chassan and kala into the yichud room. Right? After the chuppah, the chassan and kala, the bride and the groom go to the, the yichud room where they're together. and they have to be. To, the, the two of them need to remain in the yichud room for a specific amount of time. Usually it's between anywhere between uh, four and nine minutes, depending on who the rabbi is and, uh, and who's officiating. So now here's what happened. You have to make sure as a witness that they stay in the room for the proper amount of time. The Yichud room was right next to the hallway. I think I've shared this before. The Yichud room was right next to the hallway, and they, people were making a minion for Mariv in the hallway, and Rav Nassim Stein, Marashiva, wanted to join the minion. But here was the problem. The problem was that a witness needs knowledge. You have to keep your mind on what you're seeing. So he has to, on one hand, focus on his davening. On the other hand, know that they're staying in the room. And here's the catch. The door to the room only opened outwards into the hallway. So he knew that if he stands next to the door, even if he focuses on his davening, if they were to leave, they have to knock him over. So they're certainly in there. But he wanted to know, are you allowed to do this? So he said, every Rosh Hashiva that he asked <clears throat> told him no. An aid needs could an aid needs mind and you need das, and eh, nothing doing eh? And he said, every, then he went he asked a few rabbis, a few rabbinim, <clears throat> they all said no problem. Eh, if you know they're in, they're good. He says, you know, he says, sometimes like as a rav, you got to just like focus on what's in front of you. And, that's how, you know, that's... That was the difference in uh, a uh, That's what we're saying over here. Rabbi says, Listen, I got logic. I have a Kavachaymer. Eh? Says if it says it, it says it. If it doesn't say you're good. Yeah, you know what happens. Okay, here we go. Says the Gemara further. There was another premise that we said, which is in order to become impure, in order to become a Metzorah, the Kohen has to declare you Tame. It doesn't matter what's on your body until the Kohen says that one word. The Gemara is going to ask on that premise, is that really true? Says the Gemara, in, yeah, it's true. And I'll prove it to you from a on the day that it is looked at, the day that the tzeras in the body is looked at, it becomes tamay. There's a day that the Kayan looks at it, The and there's a day that you don't look at it. We from here, the khamam say, what does that mean? If you have a chasen, a groom who has something growing on his body, something that looks like tzeras. We tell all the Kohanim, don't look at it until he finishes his Sheva brachas. Let him complete his first week after marriage. And this is true. If he has seras his wife, uh, his house has seras his clothing has saras, we leave him alone. And the same thing is true on a Yom Tif. If somebody on a yom has a growth, we give them the whole yom has been You don't go to a kohen. A kohen does not look at it on these days. Rabbi Yomer, Rabbi says in you don't even need a pusuk to tell me the Allah. I already know that. It says you know why? Because when you have saras in the house, you know what the kohen does before he says the word tameh. He says clear out all the stuff from your house. Get your couches out. Your beds your pots, your pans, take everything out because as soon as I declare it, tameh, everything in there is going to become impure. So you see from here, you're allowed to delay, you're allowed to delay the expression of tameh, and until it happens, everything remains pure. Imam, light, if you're going to allow the Kohen to delay declaring a house impure because you want to save your couch, how much more so should we tell the Kohen to delay his declaration of Tamei when you have a Yomtif, when you have a Sheva Brachas? Uh, of course, we have these people are involved in a mitzvah. Of course, we're going to say to delay. Okay, my Benayu, what is the uh, what is the difference between um, these opinions of whether it's learned out from a verse or from logic? Amar Mashmais Darshan <clears> Benayu. How to make a drasha on the <throat> Torah? Really, there's no practical difference over here. But since they argue about how to darshan psukkim in the Torah, there could be practical differences elsewhere. Verov Amar is going to say, the difference between them is going to be by a dvarashus. When we're not dealing with any mitzvah, there's just, we're just dealing with a potential, um, you know, something that a, a, a preference will call it. Okay? So for a preference, you're allowed to delay a declaration. It's okay. However, according to Rabbi Yehuda, no. You're only allowed to delay a declaration not due to somebody's preference, either the preference of the kohen or the other guy. It's only, you're only allowed to delay it for the purpose of a mitzvah. For Rabbi Yehuda. And what's Rabbi Yehuda going to say? He says, He says, You don't learn out the halachas of teras on a body to elsewhere. You know why? The chidoshu. Because it's a novel idea. When you have a Hidish, when you have a novel halacha, there's no such thing as a kalvachaymer. You can't extrapolate laws from something which is it itself is so novel. You know why? Top of tomorrow's daf, it says like this, Saras on a house renders the whole house impure. That is novel. You know why? There's no other place where a house can become impure. Wood, stones, building material, things that are established are not mekabotoma. They're not susceptible to becoming tame. V'hochometamo. But over here, there, we say they actually do become Tameh. Since, and here's the rule, since it's such a chiddish, it's such a novel idea, when you have something like that, you don't stretch that halacha elsewhere. You say, wow, okay, if the verse says it, it says it. The house is Tameh with the terras, but we're not going to expand that halacha to anywhere else. It remains in its place. And tomorrow, we'll pick up from the opinion of Rebbe, and um, and wrap up this uh, this about how to make drushas from the laws of mitzraya.